Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 172. Just a city boy, born and raised in South Detroit. That's actually my go-to in karaoke now, and I, and I, I pretty much own that song forever. You absolutely Steve do. Steve Perry, take notice wherever you are. So a priority for me is meditation, meaningful friendships and relationships, and exercise. So those three components are very essential parts of my morning. My exercise is with companionship and community. I have a core group of girls that I hike with three to four days a week. We walk, we talk about the things that we're working on in life, our goals, our wins, our struggles. And then sometimes it's hard to set priorities because we have all these notions in our head about what should be important versus what we want to be important. And so I feel like a lot of us are just battling all these inner thoughts and all of this deep-seated shame in our lives and that also gets in the way of self-care and actually talking about this is like therapy it's not, <laughs> but it's like- holistic voice presents the food heals podcast with your hosts allison melody and Susie hardy join the food heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet to Kardashian immediately. All right, Food Heals Nation, welcome. I'm Allison Melody, and we're doing something a little bit different today and the rest of the month. Welcome to the Wellness Warrior Series, which is a four-part series where I'll be roundtabling with some of my favorite plant-powered people. First up, she dedicates her time and energy to spreading awareness on how to develop a lifestyle in harmony with the body and the planet. She's one of Twitter's top 10 eco hotties. She's also the bait behind the brand Eco Vegan Gal. Welcome, Whitney Lauritsen. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Next up, he's the culinary comedian who showcases healthy recipes and lifestyle transformation tips on his YouTube channel, The J-Row Show. And he's author of Eternity, 150 Deliciously Easy Vegan Recipes for a Long, Healthy, Satisfied, Joyous Life. That's a lot of adjectives. Welcome, Jason Robel. It's my great pleasure to be here, Allison. I'm so glad to have you. And our final guest today is the vegan love child, possibly, of Louis C.K. and Rachel Ray, who helps newbie vegans thrive with tasty vegan recipes. You can catch her wrapping in commercials for the new garden bar at Ruby Tuesday, and she makes a delicious unicorn brunch at pop-ups throughout L.A. Welcome, Nicole Dursway. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, guys. What's up? (laughs) And our final guest is very, very special. She enjoys long walks on the beach, eating lots of food. And what else, Whitney? Tummy rubs. Yes. Tummy rubs. Evie. Evie speaks. That's pretty good. That is a pretty good one. It's amazing, Allie. Oh, I can do any dog noise. Don't worry. 
Welcome Evie, the eco vegan dog. Evie does have her own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash eco vegan dog. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you, Evie, for coming. I'm so excited to have all of you here today because you really embody the definition of what it is to be a wellness warrior, including Evie. So Food Heals Nation, at the end of the show, I'll tell you what the topics are for our four-part wellness warrior series. But first, let's dive right in to our magical morning routines. So I want to start with a quote, and this is from Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning. How you wake up each day and your morning routine, or lack thereof, dramatically affects your levels of success in every single area of your life. Focus, productive, successful mornings generate focus, productive, successful days, which inevitably create a successful life. So, Whitney, we're going to start with you. Tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your morning routine looks like. Well, I uh, I kind of like the term healthy living crusader. Yes. Because I'm really passionate <laughs> about helping people learn how to live healthy in all different elements of their life. So I do this through my website and mainly videos, I would say. I'm doing videos all over the place. A lot of live videos lately, interacting with people, answering their questions, helping them work through whatever challenges there are that are getting in their way of feeling their best selves and living their best lives. Yeah, you do an amazing job of that. Thank you. What do you do every morning to really get yourself going to have like a productive, healthy day? It entails meditation, drinking lots of water. I have, I do that right now. Water is a huge priority, so every morning I make sure to to drink as much as I possibly can, and also to take a probiotic. That's that's part of my my regular routine there. And uh, making my bed is also something that I do every single day without fail, just because it looks nice. And they, there's also like this idea that people that make their bed <laughs> in the morning like ha- tend to be more successful. I don't know if that's true or not. No, I read that in books. Like you have to make your bed to like start your day in a neat and organized way and that drives me crazy but I notice in your videos that your bed is always perfect. Uh, Well that's actually the main reason that I make my bed is because I do my videos in my room. My bedroom is where my desk is so my my bed's always in the background of my videos so I I kind of am forced to make it but yeah right now it's like water, making my bed, using my rebounder I have an amazing rebounder from Bellicon that I absolutely love. I use that every morning to start the day, to start getting things moving in my body and spend some time outside as well. It's on my porch or my patio, I should say. So being out in the sun is is really wonderful. You know, there's so many different things like journaling in the morning is great. Starting off your day, writing things that you need to do what you want to accomplish, what you look forward to that day. But I feel like water is a huge one for me, meditation and some sort of movement. So that's what I strive to do. Yeah, those are all really good and really important. I love the rebounder. I think that it's it's a mini trampoline, people. That's all it is. But yeah. It's really good for your for your um, lymphatic whole body. System, yeah. It, yeah, it stimulates mm-hmm. the lymphatic system. It helps you digest, and it's just a good way to start the day. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and tell us about that morning routine, baby. I'm just a city boy, born and raised in South, South Detroit. Detroit. I was born and raised actually in Southwest Detroit. So every time that song comes on in karaoke, I like point at myself like, I, it's true. It's me. No, it's me. that's your song. No one else can sing it. Basically. No, no. And no one else dares to. 
How uh, dare they? Because I, I, that's actually my go-to in karaoke now, and I, and I, I pretty much own that song forever. You absolutely Steve do. Steve Perry, take notice wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> I am a vegan chef. I've been professionally chefing for 13 years, um, wellness advocate. Uh, I'm, I'm really focusing now on nourishment for mind, body, and spirit. So food is still an essential part of what I do. But I'm weaving in a lot of comedy and lightheartedness, and, and that's really a crux of the foundation, whether I'm teaching food, mindfulness, uh, getting into wellness coaching and um, entrepreneurship coaching in the wellness field. So food will always be a foundational element of that, but true nourishment, I feel, is not just what's on the end of your fork. It's your belief systems. It's the relationships you have. It's everything we surround ourselves with. So I guess, you know, teaching people good nourishment is really what I'm focusing on. Oh, that is beautiful. And nourishment is so much more than food. So yeah. thank you for clarifying that. Thank you. So what's your morning routine look like? Okay, so... Besides being awakened by a million cats. <laughs> a million. 999,996 to go. It's It's been an evolving thing for me uh, over the past probably four years you know it's a big experiment it continues to be an experiment you know one of my favorite quotes is i think it was emerson uh like all of life is an experiment the more experiments we make the better so for for me right now uh i'll get into explicit detail for me i need to get first of all like a solid seven to nine that's my sweet spot like seven to nine hours of sleep is like my money shot if i get if i get less than that like i'm cool i can push myself but if I get less than seven hours sleep for four or five days consistently, I feel a big difference. So if I get that sweet spot, seven to nine hours, all good. When I wake up, really the first thing I do is um, is take care of myself. You know, I've made it a practice not to grab my phone once the alarm goes off because it's too easy to check Instagram, too easy to check email, and then get sucked into what everyone else wants me to do. So yeah. I've found that if I can make sure that I take care of myself, first thing I do is a warm compress on the eyes to gently wake my eyes up. Ooh. Um, I do a sinus rinse. I was doing a neti pot for years, but then I found that a neti pot just really, I didn't like it. It was really messy. So what I do is just basically like a saline spray, clean out my sinuses. Uh, I immediately drink at least one to two glasses of water um, with either apple cider vinegar or fresh organic lemon juice because when we wake up, our body's in a very acidic state. And it's been cleansing, detoxing all night long. So we want to alkalize as quickly as possible. So I do the ACV or lemon juice with water. Feed the cats because they demand it. (laughs) And then I have a daily meditation practice. I have a little closet on my first floor that I've converted into a little meditation space. That's amazing. uh, And I don't set a timer. I just go in. got my little meditation pillow, my altar set up. Uh, I have affirmations and prayers that I do every morning, and that takes right around 30 minutes if I were to time it out. I don't, I never time it, but you know, for me, if I go and look at the clock, I'm like, it's been about 20, 30 minutes. That's a, that's a non-negotiable. And after that, um, I like to go work out. I have a little gym downstairs, or I like to hike. In LA, we are blessed with a lot of hiking abilities. So mind you, the computer hasn't gone on yet. The phone hasn't gone on yet. Unless I have like a super early morning meeting, I try and schedule all my meetings until after my practice is done. After my workout, I nourish myself, get my breakfast in, pre-workout, that's the first thing I usually consume. But here's the thing, I don't. I, I like to not turn the phone on or check email until I'm taken care of. And that's the biggest thing I can advocate to people listening is you will feel so much more balanced and clear once you've nourished yourself. Because I found that when I didn't do this and I didn't have a morning practice, I would start to feel resentful yeah. for no reason. Like these people in my life, whether it was business dealings or, or, or a partner or friends, like... Why do I feel resentful toward them? It had nothing to do with them. It was the fact that I wasn't taking care of me. So I think from a productivity and self-love standpoint, this morning routine is just, it's a crucial element that sets the tone for the day. I couldn't agree more. And I really like that you're not touching your phone unless it's like to help you with the meditation. Because I learned this actually from one of my mentors, John Lee Dumas. And he said to me, do you know what email is? I said, what? 
He said, OPP. I said, what does that mean? Other people's problems. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Did he do it like this? and like He didn't do fu- OPP, man, because no, that's other didn't. people's O-P-P. property. <laughs> like, yeah. O-P-P. I'm trying to imagine John Lee Dumas doing that, and it would sound very funny. <laughs> it, was, it was still funny, but not in that way. But I was like, that is so true. So I had to let go of that practice of like, being anxious about checking my emails when I get up because like you, I need seven to nine hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the person that can sl- sleep on four to six hours. Like that is not me. I'm not Gary Vee. Like, yeah. And here's the thing too. I just want to say this. I think a good morning starts the night before. Mm. And so for me, in terms of like creating a sleep sanctuary, you know, the Wi-Fi goes off. Any like high electromagnetic fields are turned off in the house. Uh, I like to take a little bit of magnesium before bedtime, which is amazing. Uh, I've experimented with like GABA and 5-HTP, but I, I, I like to make sure that I'm not eating too close to bedtime. Taking a little like magnesium before bed is great. And then um, my current place, I don't have blackout shades, but if you can do blackout shades, if you can sleep in complete darkness without any Wi-Fi or EMFs, your body's actually going to release more melatonin and serotonin while you sleep. And that's just going to give you a deeper rest. You, you get a deeper REM cycle. And then you wake up even more refreshed. So I think a good morning starts the night before with your your practice of creating a sleep sanctuary. That is such a good point. And I know I sleep with my eye mask. Like I can't live without it. Me too. And then the one thing that we started doing recently, my husband and I, is turning off the Wi-Fi at night. Mm-hmm. Because think about every time that you log into your Wi-Fi and you see all the available options, your neighbors all the way around, especially if you live in a city like we do. We don't know how that's affecting us. For sure. And so I think that's a great tip. Yeah, and cell phone on airplane mode. I mean, unless you have a situation that requires you to be, you know, emergency contacted in the night, a sick loved one or whatever. But turning it on airplane mode, keeping it as far away from your head as possible. Yes. And you know you've got your alarm. So I really think a good morning, again, it it starts with those preparation practices in the previous day. I think that's such a good point. I totally agree. So, Nicole. Hey. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your morning routine looks like. Uh, I'm Chef Nicole Dursway. I'm a vegan chef. Uh, and my focus is really to help vegan newbies or people looking to have more plant-based meals uh, filtered into their life, even if you just want to be a meatless Monday person. Like, I'm your pal. I'll help you do it. Uh, and I'm also like, you know, YouTube host, personality. Uh, so that's me. And I just like to have fun and uh, let's mix it up. You know, you, you are super fun. I love your videos. <laughs> I love your pop-ups. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's right. I also do um, cool pop-ups all around LA, which are amazing, um, especially this new series that I've been working on this whole summer, the Unicorn Series. I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like five-course um, unicorn brunch, but like 90% of those attendees aren't don't identify as vegan or plant-based. They just really love the vibe behind the whole thing, which is just... The unicorns and celebrating your individuality and equality and loving and inclusion and like that vibe just really translates so people that aren't have never even had a vegan meal have been coming out just to be part of the celebration so that's last, been like a huge win so your far. last one was huge i was like whoa where am i like because i had only been to the downtown ones and then the oh, yeah. venice location is at least double if not more it's more than double yeah, yeah. there were so many people there it was yeah. amazing so fun yeah yeah so that's what i do um uh, morning routine is so, I love this topic because my, my morning routine has been somewhat similar since like high school, but has gotten like really narrowed in. So I'm so curious what my morning routine is going to be like when I'm like 85. <laughs> uh, cause I just, it keeps getting better cause I keep learning more about myself, but like 
From a young age, I was always one of those people that's kind of identified as a morning person. I wake up and it's the best I feel all day. Some people cannot relate to that, but I wake up and I'm like, hello. Like I just like, I wake up and I, and then like, you know, when you catch me like around 11 o'clock, it, she, she needs to go bedtime. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not like this crazy night owl. But anyways, so it's always included exercise almost immediately. That's shifted just a little bit now. Um, it used to be where I, my alarm would go off. My body would spring up, my feet would put shoes on, my teeth would get brushed, and then I'm like, I'm working out immediately. Uh, now it's a little bit different. I start setting my alarm at like 15 minutes before I have to be at my gym class or my hike that mm-hmm. I'm doing. I do this meditation where I practice conscious breathing, literally while still laying in bed. Like I'm awake, I don't even get up from underneath the covers, and I go through each part of my body during this 15 minutes and thank it. That's beautiful. And yeah. tell it I love you. And while I'm doing that, I try to recount specific memories where that specific body part has served me. You know, like I'll think of my angles and like that last time where like I was at the ocean and I was jumping over the waves and just like springing and like get that <sighs> feeling in my body. And I go through my whole body as detailed as possible uh, in that 15 minutes and just bless and thank every part of my body and kind of feel it and send it some love. And then I get up and then I brush my teeth and then I go and I work out. I, I either I go to gym. I like I love community is a big part of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. I've built community and fellowship into my mornings because we don't always get time to have like a family dinner with friends at night or anything sure. like that. We don't because we are so busy here in L.A. But I found that if it's a priority, it should be in the top part of your day. So a priority for me is meditation. A priority for me is deep meaningful friendships and relationships and exercise. So those three components are very essential parts of my morning. And so I've combined them to be more efficient. So usually my exercise is with companionship and community. Um, And that's something I think is really important for longevity is the community. So I go on these morning hikes. I have this group. Jason's been a part of it. I've went with Whitney before, but I have a core group of girls um, that I hike with Three to four days a week. This is amazing. Can I come? <laughs> yeah. You would love it. You're welcome to come. Um, some of us have dogs. Some of us don't. We hike different parts of LA. Usually we rotate between Griffith and Runyon. Mm-hmm. We get there early in the morning. We all meet up at the same time with our dogs or not dogs. We walk. We talk about the things that we're working on in life, our goals, our wins, our struggles. And, um, and then afterwards, we usually get breakfast. That's how I start my day. As far as nutrition, usually first thing in the morning, um, I'll do, very similar to Jason, I'll alkalize. I'll just do like half a lemon with water. And then my body really doesn't do well with nutrients. Everyone's body's different. I'm not somebody that wakes up immediately ready to eat. But as soon as I get the blood flowing and I get that morning exercise in, then I'm really ready to eat. And then I have like a full meal. So green juices, uh, probiotics. I'm an avo toast freak. Anyone that follows me knows, like, girl, you be getting that avo toast in those several mornings. You be getting that avo toast. Um, Yeah, so that's my practice. That's my morning practice. I think that your morning practice is beautiful, and the fact that you can let all that time go with the hiking and everything like that, I feel like that is ideal because – how much of our time do we spend worrying about what other people are doing or worrying about what emails are coming in? And just like Jason was talking about, he doesn't check his phone. And to give yourself that time in the morning, how does that, does that really set you up for the day of like, okay, now I can deal with 
everything else I have to deal with. I'm so ready uh, by all of that. I feel like, and I, I feel so accomplished too in a way, you guys. Like it really gives yeah. you like a pep in your step because I'm like, I've had a full day and some people have just woken up, you know? Because it's not that I get up, get up at like the crack of dawn. I, I am an early riser. But by the time I finish all these hikes and like come home and shower, like it's like 10 a.m. A lot of people start their workday at 9. So maybe I'm an hour behind everyone technically like on the clock. But I am hours ahead of them because when I sit down, I am full of energy. I am full of inspiration. Any stress or worries, I've probably just talked out with my girlfriends. So I've let that go. And I'm ready to really focus on positively moving my life forward in the direction that I want. So I feel like, yeah, sure, I don't maybe don't start my workday until 10 a.m., but I do feel like I have the advantage over someone who slept until 8 and then hit snooze until 8.30 and then at the last second, like, threw clothes on and ran to the office and now is, like, trying to chug coffee at their desk. Like, the energy is very different. Yeah, I hear you. So to piggyback on what Nicole was saying, you know, uh, our systems in the morning are similar. And I look at them as kind of like containers. I don't I don't have a specific terminology, but it's the best euphemism I can come up with. You know, the, the beginning of the day is like my container. It's restorative. It's energizing. It's focusing. It's, it's me taking time to nourish myself. You know, she has this great uh, um, community setup, which is, is so bolstering because to that point, I think it's like this feeling that we're not so alone. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and living in a big city, there can be this thing, especially as entrepreneurs, where we feel like we're on the grind and we feel like we have our dreams and our visions, but it can feel very isolating at times. So having that container to restore, to energize, to focus, then like the middle of the day is like the the container where it's output. It's like okay, now I'm going to focus on the emails, the texts, the projects, everything else. But then at the end of the day, it's another container for myself. It's like I'm bookending my day with. Beginning of the days for me to restore and energize, middle of the days to deal with projects, visions, creative opportunities. But then the end of the day is that wind down. Yeah. You know, it's I'm gonna play a little bit of music on my guitar or ukulele. I'm gonna have like a, a really rejuvenating, like nourishing dinner. I'm gonna read a little bit of my book. I'm gonna get into bed. Like so for me, I just kind of look at it like my day's bookended by taking good care of myself and in the middle of the day, I'm rocking that hustle and that grind, you know? No, that's amazing because like we all are dealt with Facebook and Instagram and text messages and emails and everything all day long. So you're basically saying you limit that to certain hours in the day. I've had to because if if I don't, okay, my default is workaholism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if I don't give myself parameters, I will work myself into the ground. Right. And it's not healthy to do that anymore. We talk about the experimentation. Nicole's nodding her head. She knows exactly. This is one of the hardest workers I've ever met. Like if we, if we don't, take good care of ourselves and make ourselves a priority and have constraints on that when possible, we'll work ourselves into the ground. And, and then that's not sustainable for anybody, most, most of which ourselves. Um, a big thing in this too that I love apropos of kind of this, this structure is I'm a big fan of using tools, right? Like there's a thing called a Pomodoro timer that I love. So I'll set it for say like 30 minutes of work, then a five minute break. I'll do three cycles of that and then give myself a 15 minute break. Because I know that when I get up and I move my body and I change my geometry, I can work longer and more efficiently rather than if I sit down at the computer for four hours straight, I get up like looking like Gargamel, like my spine is all gnarled and my posture is horrible. I feel like crap, haven't drank any water. So using tools to like structure our day and for creatives, that's hard pointing at myself. (laughs) I don't like structure, but I find that I work better that way. You know what? You're talking to a type A personality, workaholic, entrepreneur who will 
not stop until everything's done. And so that is something I've absolutely had to learn. And so my, um, I have a tapping coach right now. I'm doing tapping to work on my trauma and things like that. Oh, you're doing tapping. It. Tapping. Ali, I can't wait to hear yeah. everything oh. about this. I really want to do it. And you absolutely should. So I'm doing tapping. And what that is, is kind of going through my body, going through my trauma and letting go of the hurt, the anger behind it, and really being at peace with what happened to me. And so Food Heals Nation knows my story, losing my parents, that's caused me all this trauma, plus things along the way that happened during that time. So I'm tapping on that. And my tapping coach told me for my type A busy personality, always needing to work hard and never stop and not slow down every one hour. I have to make my alarm go off to take one minute of meditation, close my eyes, and be. Every hour. Every hour. On the hour. Now, if we're recording a podcast, I don't do it, you know, but it's in general. It's on a general day when I'm sitting at my computer with my to-do list. So, like Jason, you were saying, like, okay, mornings are sacred and evenings are sacred. I haven't gotten there yet, so mine mornings are sacred, but... I will work until 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean people are pinging me at 2 a.m. necessarily, but it means I'm still online. I'm still, you know, trying to get something cross off the to-do list. And so her advice for me was every one hour, you have to take one minute. One to three minutes, I do one minute, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. Mama's not there yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> but it's interesting, Nicole, what you said, that you wake up and you are the person that is like, I'm full of energy. I am the person that is like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Why is this light shining in on me? <laughs> I need more sleep. I've always been a night owl. I've always, I've never been a morning person. And so that's actually why I want to do this episode because I'm reading a great book, The Miracle Morning, and I have all these entrepreneurs talking about how getting up at 6 a.m. changes their life. And for me, I'm like, all right, I'm not at a point where I want to get up at 6 a.m., <laughs> but I am absolutely the person who takes an hour to be with themselves, not check that email, not check those texts. And it might start at 10 a.m., y'all. Mm-hmm. It very well might. It depends on what time I went to bed the, the night before. I think what you're tapping into here, pun intended, <laughs> is, is that there doesn't have to be a rigid, fixed methodology for everyone, right? right. Like I we have natural circadian rhythms, I think. Now, living in a big city bombarded by tons of artificial light, tons of EMFs, tons of stimuli, our circadian rhythms get thrown off very sure. quickly. But I've noticed that like my natural groove, like given my druthers, is go to bed at 11, wake up at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like that's for, for whatever reason, unless I'm forcing my body to stay up later or unless I'm, I'm willful. And it's not every night, but, but just kind of my natural groove is right. like 10, 45, 11, I'm yawning, y'all. Like, I'm mm-hmm. ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for, for snugs. You know, I'm ready for kittens, and I'm ready for hot cocoa. I'm ready for bed. Yeah. And then 7-ish, 7-15, 7, like, I don't know. It's just a natural groove. So if yours is 10 a.m., cool. If yours is 6 a.m., cool. I, I the, the one thing that I'm weary of is whenever, you know, we have um, books or programs or courses is that this kind of one-size-fits-all methodology. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, find out what works for you and work it, babe. Yeah. You know? And experimentation, we go back to the experiment of it. It takes time to figure all this out. And what works for me now is not necessarily the same setup that worked for me in college right, or as right. a teenager 
or when I was working in kitchens till 3 a.m. Like it's very, it, it's evolved over the years. Sure. And I think it's that constant question of what works for me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a good point because some people do work at a bar or something like that until 2 or 3 a.m. So everyone does have a different time that they need to wake up and that they go to bed. And for me, it's like I'm at a point right now in my life luckily, fortunately, and because I've worked hard as an entrepreneur that I can in general wake up when I want if I don't have a shoot or something scheduled that I have to get up for. And so I usually don't set an alarm. I let myself wake up naturally and then I go, okay, today I'm going to take these 30 minutes at least, if not an hour to myself. And I've been starting every day with gratitude. Mm. And what I do is I have my gratitude journal and I almost feel like it sounds cheesy, but honestly, It will change your entire day and your perspective. And I can attest to it because when I've woken up in a frenzy like, oh, it's 10 o'clock and I have to be somewhere by 11 and I don't do the gratitude or whatever, I'm late, I can't find parking, you know, whatever is going to happen, happens. But when I sit there and I have that time and I go, oh my God, here's all that I'm grateful for. And sometimes being grateful brings up sadness. Being grateful can bring up trauma. And so I can just be with that in that moment and go, okay, this is what I'm feeling and it's okay. And sometimes I'll have some tears. Sometimes I will bawl. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm grateful and I feel wonderful. Every day is different because I have trauma. Most people listening, you probably have trauma. And so it's being okay with the fact that We all have suffering. We've all been through some shit. We all haven't forgiven everyone we needed to forgive. We Mm. all haven't forgiven ourselves. We're not in total perfect loving alignment at every single moment of every single day, whether it's our brother, sister, husband, friend, wife, whatever. And so for me, it's like, okay, what am I grateful for? Start writing. And sometimes that's it. Great. I feel fantastic. And sometimes it's like, oh, shit, now I feel awful because I'm having this memory or I'm angry at this person. So I work on that for a little bit. I don't have to solve it. I don't have to fix it. Just work on it. And then the next morning, work on it a little more. And eventually that will work itself out because I've decided to work on it. Give a little forget each day, a little more forgiveness, a little more love to whatever the situation is. Sometimes you can heal something right away. Usually for me, it takes a little time. (laughs) And so my gratitude journal has been like, if I don't do it, I feel a difference. Like I was saying, like, I don't find parking. Everything's fucked. I'm mad. I'm yelling. Like someone's cutting me off, whatever it is. Right. And so that's been like the number one thing that has really, really changed my morning routine. I don't care if I do it at 6 a.m., 10 a.m. or 12 p.m. Now, with with your gratitude journal, do you do the style of I'm going to list all of the things that I'm grateful for? Or do you do the Marie Forleo style? I learned this from her where you pick one subject and instead of rattling off like the first way, which is like, I'm grateful for my dogs. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my health. How did you know how my gratitude journal started, by the way? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right? It's, it's It's like, but that way you kind of run out of things really quickly. So I, Marie Forleo, I learned this thing from one of her videos is that like to, to, to get deeper into the feeling of gratitude or release or healing is to pick the one thing, but then give like 10 reasons why you're yeah. grateful for the thing. And when I started adjusting my journaling in that way, instead of writing for me like a laundry list of, yeah, cats and food and mom and, and, and like I would pick just one thing and, and sit with it. And it was almost like a writing meditation of, you know what? I've never really considered why... 
like the real specificity of why I am grateful for this person, mm. this moment, mm-hmm. this thing, this blessing, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm just curious what your methodology is. I think that's so beautiful. And as you know, I'm also a huge Marie Forleo fan. So mine's actually kind of in the middle of that where I go, I'm grateful for my dogs because. And then ah. I just complete the sentence. And then if I feel I need to keep going, I keep going. If I feel I'm ready to move on, I move on. So sometimes I always start with the dogs, Jason, how did you know? But um, after I do the dogs and things like that, it'll usually lead me somewhere deeper. And usually it'll lead me to be grateful for something that, you know, has been a trauma and something I don't necessarily want to be grateful for. And it's something that I've transformed or I'm working on transforming. So I try to get to that point where I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm grateful for this trauma because it made me the person I am today, which sounds general, but then I'll go, and here's why. And so I think it's a combination of the I'm grateful for X sentences mixed with the listing of whys. And for me, it's different every day, honestly. The other thing I do, if anyone is into this, so Nicole, like you said, like you're full of energy. I'm not. And so I need something that like gives me energy. Mm -hmm. So after the gratitude journal, my new thing, and I've done this for actually like probably five or six years, but the new thing that I'm trying to do like 40 days straight of is Kundalini. So (laughs) what this- Breath of fire? Breath of fire, exactly. So if you're not familiar with Kundalini yoga and breath of fire, um, women, don't do it on your moon cycle. It's very important to keep that time calm. But any other time of the month, um, the breath of fire is this really, really intense breathing practice that literally like gets me fired up, which I think that's why it's called breath of fire. And you can do this for, you know, there's classes in LA that are an hour and 30 minutes. I can do this for five minutes and feel on fire. You know what I'm saying? And so that's a big one for me. And there's different poses that you can do that are super simple. This isn't like a hardcore yoga class in your house. And you just are raising your arms over your head and holding them in a specific mudra. And there's different ones. You can, you know, Google these, watch videos, and you're doing this breath of fire. If you do this for five minutes, I guarantee your energy levels will skyrocket. And write me an email if I'm wrong, because I've never heard of anyone that doesn't feel more energy after doing this. Yeah. I love that. So no, I've, I've done it before too. And I felt like incredibly energized. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so interesting what you said about like me waking up with energy and like, that's very true. But I noticed my energy is like way different after the workout, like the endorphin mm. release. And uh, like, I just feel incredible. And I want to say too, to anybody that's listening, even though I've consistently wake up and work out, like, I think like majority of my life, we had to average it since high school, like four days a week, at least. I still have this brain game that happens where I'm laying in bed and the alarm goes off and my brain says, no, you don't need to do that today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, no, you've been working like really like hard lately, I guess. You should just like sleep. Like, and this back and forth. And then there's this other Nicole that's like, no, get up. Because if you do it, then you're, you know, you're going to get like all the, like the positive chemicals released from working out and the endorphins. Yeah. And like, you're just, you know, consistently every time you do it, like you just have such a better day than the days that you do sleep in. And there's this like arm wrestling thing that happens in my brain still. So like, I don't, I don't know if that'll ever go away. There's like this little, these two guys in my brain are having a debate. Yeah. Even though we know the who's going to win. The devil gonna, and the angel. <laughs> yeah. And most of the time I know who's going to win. You know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to put the shoes on. I'm going to get to the gym. But I stopped beating myself up for that, like, internal battle. Like, I, w- I used to kind of judge the part of me that was like, oh, you don't need to do it. You know what I mean? Right. And I just have accepted it that there's some part of my body that is 
offering that suggestion because it thinks that maybe that's a good idea. And then there's another part of me that knows better, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And then I just, I just choose to get up and let the little debate go. And I kind of just like, I don't know. It's like I'm watching the peanut gallery. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know if other people have like that brain game that happens where you like said you're going to do a certain thing and there's a part of you that really wants to do it and like honor your commitment to yourself. But there's a, another part of you that's like the devil on your shoulder that's like, eh, start tomorrow. I feel like this is all of life though. And what, what you're saying is kind of indicative of some of the most important work, which is I find that most resistance in life is not external resistance. Like there certainly is, right? Like whether it's our family saying like, oh, you know, you'll never make it as a blah, blah, blah. Most of the resistance we face in life is our own inner resistance. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and what you're describing is this opportunity to practice n- not believing our thoughts, right? Because, right? because you get to choose as the observer, as the director, the producer, the star of this movie of your life, you get to choose mm-hmm. and you can say, okay, cool. So, and also practicing unconditionally loving yourself because- we're human, right? There are days where you listen to the other voice and you're like, you know what? I am going to stay in bed because we've all done it. But I think it's just this beautiful practice of disassociating from our thoughts saying, well, they're, they're not actually real. They're just thoughts. They're passing by. And I get to choose which one I'm going to feed every single day. I mean, yeah. cause we have what, uh, like 80,000 thoughts per day. They say on average, Oh God, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so, so I think what you're saying though, Nicole is such a beautiful, meditative practice of just observing your thoughts, observing mm-hmm. your mind and not beating yourself up for it. because yeah. a lot of people when they start meditating too they'll beat themselves like why can't I get my thoughts to stop said every human who ever existed in <laughs> history right it's like it's not about getting our thoughts to stop I think it's becoming the conscious observer and realizing you're the one who gets to control and feed whatever thoughts or belief systems right. you want to they don't run you yeah and honestly like the one that wants me to stay in bed it's kind of fear-based like when I look at it in, in a compassionate way, those thoughts, oh, well, I'm afraid that if I get up now that I might be tired later in the day because I didn't get this hour of sleep or I'm afraid, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just addressing the fear, oh, well, it's okay. You're not going to be tired later, actually, because we know that every time that we work out, we always have more energy right. and we're more sustained throughout the day. And just like kind of nurturing the fear-based thoughts like a mama it's okay. And then, but just like, you know what I mean? I don't know. No. Some nurturing. I think, I think we're in this time where we're way over committed or we're, we're overstretched. I think I've been thinking a lot about this lately is that we take on so much mm-hmm. and then we somehow find guilt for not doing other things. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting one thing that I recommend for people all the time is to set priorities and really just get clear. But I think sometimes it's hard to set priorities because we have all these like notions in our head about what should be important versus what we want to be important. And so there's this, that inner dialogue is often kind of debating about what should we really be doing? What do we need to do? What do we want to do? And going through a lot of shame, I feel like there's so much shame that we experience because of all of these ideas of how we feel like we should be living our lives. And so, of course, we know we should go to the gym and we also want to get a certain number of hours of sleep and we feel like we should be doing a certain amount of work. And and then we're tired and we're trying to make it up for it in all these different ways. And I just feel like our lives are just over 
everything. <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just overly doing everything in our lives. Yeah, and it's something that I have to work through all the time. Yesterday I was having an extremely overwhelmed day because I was trying to get all these things done and feeling this time crunch and I had to kind of sit back and say, why am I feeling this way? And do I really need to get these things done by a certain time? And I, it was actually bringing up a lot of things from my childhood and a lot mm. of things from my parents of how I was raised. And I think also just culturally, we pick up on a lot of different things too. So my parents really wanted to raise hardworking children. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that because I am a hard worker. But I started to associate laziness with shame you know like taking a break meant that I was lazy or not showing up on time or was unprofessional or canceling on something was hurting somebody's feelings or or not or choosing to do something that I wanted to do over something that somebody else wanted to do and and so I feel like a lot of us are just battling all these inner thoughts and all this deep-seated shame in our lives and that also gets in the way of self-care Sure. It makes it hard for us to go to the gym because, as Nicole is saying, you know, we want that extra hour of sleep. And maybe we actually don't have the energy. And so, of course, so many of us, there's an epidemic of exhaustion, too. It's so like true. We have sleep debt, many of us, because, you know, if we don't catch up on it, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. We have so many issues with stress in our lives, too. And so a lot of our adrenals are just completely shot. And so on and on, it just adds up over time. And no wonder it's so hard for us to do these things like meditate. It's because we'll probably fall asleep when we meditate or we feel like if we meditate, then we can't do something else. And then we feel like if we go to the gym, we can't do something else. Or if we do something else and we don't go to the gym, it's like, I don't know. There's just this ongoing battle of guilt and shame and exhaustion and stress and all these things that build up that make self-care incredibly challenging. If I can just kind of piggyback on what you're saying, you know, I try my best to practice awareness of what's motivating my choices. And I really believe it's not trite and it's not contrived, but it's either love or fear. Mm -hmm. And I know that my tendency to overcommit to things that Mm -hmm. if I'm honest with myself, I don't really want to do, or I don't feel fired up or passionate. Like we're talking about business related things, not sometimes relationship stuff, but mostly business stuff is there's some part of me, if I examine the times I've said yes to things I didn't really feel connected to, it was coming out of lack, scarcity, fear, if I, FOMO, fear, like if I don't, <laughs> if I, if I don't say yes to this thing, uh, I won't get any more opportunities and, and then I won't make any money and that, there's some fear motivating this decision making. So to slow down, to radically love and accept ourselves, like practice like I unconditionally love and accept myself no matter what. Even if I make a decision that's motivated out of fear, right? Like this game that I've noticed with myself is like, yeah, like you'll love and approve of yourself if you feel like you're making the quote right decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. But the moment I fuck up, right, <laughs> or, or drop the ball or whatever it is, then it's like this tendency to beat myself down so badly. A lot of self-judgment. Tons. And, 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 you know, there's also that comparison trap of, of yes, social media and, and the interconnectedness of 8 billion people is amazing. But this tendency to compare ourselves like there's so Whitney, you've opened up a, a really big can here that is so wonderful to examine because, you know, this is really about our relationship to love and fear. It's about our relationship to ourself. Yeah. It's, it, it's really I mean, I think this is is really getting to know ourselves on a deep level. What motivates us? What scares us? What do we love? What are we afraid of? And having like really radical, honest conversations about it. 
Yeah. I think it is so much about fear. That's very true because there's, a, for me, it's like a fear of making the wrong choice. It's like, okay, well, if I don't go to the gym, then am I not going to have the energy? Am I, is my body not going to be in the shape that I want it to sure. be in? How much is this going to affect me down the line? Am I going to get lazy? It's like I tend to go down this rabbit hole of all these consequences. Like I have a, a deep-seated fear of consequences, again, because the way that I was raised, and I think also culturally, like it's always about like what consequence of something, these decisions. And I, and actually talking about this is it's like therapy. It's, <laughs> but it's like, hopefully this is helping other people. But, you know, for me, I have trouble making decisions. And I think I have trouble making decisions because there feels like there's so many consequences to all of our choices in life. And so if... It, I think this people get overwhelmed is because they don't want to make the wrong choice. They don't want to do the wrong thing. And so sometimes it's easier to just, and maybe this is the reason why people make unhealthy choices is because building healthy habits is, is work. It's work. And we all know there are consequences to the choices that we make with food and fitness and self-care and all these things. But it just takes a lot of decision-making, and maybe everybody is just completely exhausted with making decisions. <laughs> you know. And then like, the consequences are so extreme. Talk about fear. There's so much fear built into it and all these ideas of consequences. It's like some people are just like, you know, it just doesn't even matter because it does matter to them but they pretend that it doesn't matter because there's it's so overwhelming and it's like if even for us you know all four of us spend so much time studying health and self-care and all of this and even for us it's exhausting even for us like it's hard to make decisions like the simplest thing like whether you work out or not it just you know if you go down that consequence rabbit hole then of course it's Jason's laughing Why here, and I'm really curious laughing? what he's gonna say. I'm laughing because it's like it's like a it's like a choose your own adventure book. Right. Okay, yeah. Like, oh, okay, woke up. Okay, am I gonna work out? Okay, I'm gonna work out. But what workout am I gonna do? <laughs> right. Like to me, to me at this point, it's not like like personally, like I feel very motivated to work out right now. But there's this thing of like, uh, do, do I do high intensity interval training? Do I do yoga? Do I do Pilates? Do I go for a run? Do I go for a swim? Do I go for a hike? It's just like, I think what you're talking about is, is, is like this decision fatigue yeah. in our society yeah. where, where first of all, I, I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here. I think if we really, and again, this is in a very real way, knowing that in this choose your own adventure we have, no matter what we choose, all is well. Right. Seriously. And yes. I don't mean that in a trite spiritual way. I mean that very seriously. That if you think about all the decisions that led you up to this moment, if you thought about the most horrifically painful, traumatic situations where you said to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, yes. you made it through. Yep. And knowing, knowing that there is no wrong choice, even if we perceive there's a right and wrong choice, just choose. I, th I think getting stuck in this like, ah, oh, this decision fatigue mode, like once we choose, yes, it's a butterfly effect. And I think the fear is we don't know what's on the other side of a choice. Absolutely. Do I say I do? Do I marry this person? Do I leave a relationship? Do I take this job in a different city? Do I do, I do this? I mean, even the small things. Do I drink this kombucha or that kombucha? Do I go <laughs> vegan? Do I? But it's like, it's like just building, building this practice of... I know, like, having the trust in whatever, God, universe, gonzo, the Muppet, whatever you believe in, just, like, whatever you choose is going to be okay. Yes. And I think that's exactly Truly. 
why meditation is so huge too is like you can only get that clarity because I, I think our culture is so much about right and wrong decisions and it's just like as humans we thrive off of right and wrong I mean I was just thinking about this earlier where there's this vegan company impossible foods and uh, right now the big thing is that you know they t were t I guess testing on animals and um, mm. You know, people are like, oh, is it wrong for a vegan company to test on an animal? And it's like, so it's created this whole debate. And it's what you realize in a lot of these conversations is there's this constant idea in our society about right and wrong. That's right, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's, it causes polarity in so many ways. And I think that comes down to our personal choices too, is that we are trained culturally to always be thinking in, in, in terms of right and wrong. And the truth is, is that right and wrong is so like... It doesn't actually it's subjective. It doesn't exist. It's subjective. Exist. It's completely subjective. And I, coming back to my point, meditation is really the only way that you can figure out what's right for you is you have to get clarity in your own head about what feels right to you because it's so subjective and it's, uh, it's sad in our culture. No wonder we're so stressed because we're always afraid of making the wrong choice. And so if we're constantly judging ourselves and feeling like we're making the wrong choices, of course we feel depressed, of course we feel conflicted, we feel exhausted, all of these different things, I think, comes down to so much of that. And that's also that love versus fear thing. I mean, we think about love and fear as right and wrong. And we think about wanting to please people all the time and fit in. And we want to live long lives. And so there, there's this constant thing of, am I making the right choice so that I can live my healthiest life? And, and we see so many examples of people that make lots of seemingly, quote unquote, right choices with their health. And they still get sick. Right? I right. mean, that, that still happens. So I feel like ultimately meditation, like, you got to just get clear on what's right for you. And and meditation will help you get there. So yeah. you can get clear through meditation, and then meditation can then help you find your next step, awaken in love instead of fear, because we know we're all guilty of that. I think Marianne Williamson was the one that I learned that from, like, every day, are you waking up in love or in fear? And half the time, I'm like, shit, I'm in fear. How do I transform this into love? And that is so important. As long as you're aware, then you can take those action steps, right? And so I want to end on um, the kind of the quote that we started with. This is actually why I think the morning routine is so important because this is what helped me was starting my day out right, <laughs> which we know the definition of right is subjective, but starting my day out in a way to attract and believe in abundance and good things to come rather than start my day in fear and anger and anxiety and oh my god and that's when you're in the traffic and the car accidents and the people yelling at you and like the work trauma whatever it is so when we start our day so centered we can then create the day that we want and so to finish the quote from Hal Elrod earlier from the Miracle Morning you know he says how you wake up each day is going to dramatically affect the level of success in your day but also that unfocused unproductive and mediocre mornings generate unfocused unproductive and mediocre days and ultimately that's going to be a mediocre quality of life so he says that by simply changing the way that you wake up in the morning you can transform any area of your life 
faster than you ever thought possible. And I feel like that has been true for me with the gratitude journal, with the Kundalini yoga. And what I didn't mention is my morning smoothie, which I know (laughs) most of us here do, but it's like getting those greens in as early as possible. You know, even if you're intermittent fasting, I know a lot of people get that. I don't care what time your morning smoothie is. If it's at 6am or 1pm, I don't care. Get those greens in first. That's another um, source of advice for me. And I just want to say that if you like the series so far, Food Heals Nation, we want to tell you that we've got four other topics coming your way on the next four episodes of this podcast. And actually, if you want to delve deeper into what we're doing, we created a wellness warrior bundle just for you. So each of us here has made a video training course that'll teach you how to up-level your health and wellness. So some of the courses we've got, number one is Eternity, How to Heal Your Mind, Body, and Spirit and Live to 100 with Jason Robel. Yay! Yay. And I'm 88, so you know, I've got 12 12 years to go. Hell yes! We've got morning wellness, which is AM elixirs to fuel your day and heal you from the inside out with the colder sway. What, what? <laughs> um, we've got wellness 101, how to eat healthy, organic, and vegan on a budget with Whitney Lawrence and the Eco Vegan Gal. And I'm teaching Alternative Medicine Awakening, how to transform your routine for wellness and weight loss. So go to foodhealsnation.com slash wellness. And plus, we've got bonuses. So we've got Whitney's incredible ebook, Healthy, Organic, Vegan, On a Budget. It's a complete resource that'll teach you how to eat well without breaking the bank. Her comprehensive guide will walk you through strategies for the grocery store, your kitchen, restaurants, your bank. And we've got three months of the VIP club with never before heard podcast episodes. We've also got Jason Robel's five month program. This is so generous, Jason. It is my healthy hustle. What are people going to get? Uh, well, they're going to get a bunch of video modules covering topics in terms of food, nutrition, fitness, mindfulness, organization, productivity, and life vision. So basically the six pillars that I think are, are foundational for a healthy, balanced, nourished life. Um, they're also going to get a free one-hour coaching call with me and a digital bonus bundle with all of my ebooks and recipe tutorials. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So all of those can be found at foodhealsnation.com slash wellness. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. And here's a little sneak peek at what's coming up in the Wellness Warrior series. Next week, we're going to discuss alternative medicine secrets, what your doctor isn't telling you that could save your life. I'm going to talk to Whitney, Jason, and Nicole all about that. And then our third installment in the series will be longevity tips to teach you health hacks to live to 100. And the final episode in our series will be about creating an abundant business doing what you love. Stay tuned, Food Heals Nation. And if you just can't get enough, go to foodhealsnation.com slash wellness to see our incredible wellness warriors bundle. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. (laughs) 